All right, everybody. So we have Jeremy Hornstra with us today. Uh, if you're watching this, you probably have a good idea of who he is. He's an extremely impressive powerlifter with a world record in the 242 and the 275 bench press. And, uh, you know, I think, like I said, a lot of people know who you are, but how did you get involved with this to begin with? Oh, it was actually a long process. I started um, completely different realm. I was a triathlete, or triathlete and I did um, swim team. So okay. went from that. I mean, I was like a butterfly and a breaststroker. So as I was lifting weights, it just seemed like my bench press just kept getting stronger and stronger. Um, got into bodybuilding just because that was like what I wanted to be because I saw He-Man growing up and yeah, all the action figures want to look like the old Ninja Turtle. Um, but then as I was at FSU, I was just competing for a, a bodybuilding show and I was about three weeks out and somebody who competed in powerlifting said like, man, he just like did the world record for a double. And so after the bodybuilding show, I jumped in a powerlifting competition and everything just kind of fell into place. I started getting invited to big shows and everything just kind of rolled from there. So you didn't really know yet, like how strong your bench was. Like he had to kind of tell you that you were doing that much. Pretty much. I didn't know, like, I mean, if you Google like powerlifter at the time, you see like a 400 pound guy, like with a bunch of hot dogs on the back of their head looking. <laughs> and they didn't want to look like that, so I didn't care. I just was trying to get as strong as I could. It was one of those, like, you only use, like, the 25s and the 45s. So, like, I would jump up a 45, and if I couldn't get it, then I'd get a force up. And I just kept going up that way. And, um, like I said before, I knew it. I was I was trying to get six plates, and then I was trying to get 635, and then just kind of rolled. Jeez, man. That's awesome. Um, and something I had heard you say before is, and, you know, your opinion might have changed since then. But that, you know, most of your work was done very hard to, to failure or very close to failure. And I remember you said, like, you know, your belief was you, you get out what you put in. Um, now I hear a lot of people talk about more submaximal training and, you know, really not doing a lot of sets that aren't really to failure. So where do you fall in that? Uh, I can see the benefits of both, but I'm still a strong advocate of going to failure, um, or at least close to it, um, because... Like you said, you do get out of it what you put into it. And, I mean, if you look at, like, the strength athletes from, like, the 70s and the 80s and stuff, I think they were honestly stronger. They might not yeah. have had, like, the form. They might not have, like, had the arch and, the, like, worked on the leg drive. But they were just huge, strong guys that, like, pushed themselves yeah. to the point of, like, going up all the time. And mm -hmm. if they didn't get it, it was a force rep. And just pushing as hard as they could every time just pushed past where they thought they would be able to go. And when you say every time, you mean – Every session, maybe towards the end of an exercise, or even like every set is pretty much to failure. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily every every set, because um, what I always did was I started with like the heavy like power movements, basically. Even though I was doing bodybuilding, I was like chest day was chest or uh, bench press. So I'd start with that, and I would work up to like a heavy max, and then go for something ten or fifteen pounds heavier, and just do like a good solid force rep, and then drop down. The next thing, the same thing, the next exercise, the same thing, and then like maybe like towards the end, I might like end up flies, but I don't, I don't think I've ever gone to failure on a fly. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Uh, and you know, as we were saying before uh, the show started, I got connected with you through Josh Bryant, um, and I, I got to do an interview with him as well. Uh, I know you had worked with him for a while now. What are some of like the biggest lessons you learned from him? Um, Josh really introduced me into how to say it, like how to actually train for a powerlifting show. Um, when I, I actually ended up tearing my bicep a little bit 
uh, at the Olympia because I didn't really know what I was doing. I just kind of went and I was just, I would go heavy and I didn't know how much I weighed. So I just wanted to make sure I was on there and I was dehydrated. And, um, two hours later I lifted. So I was lifting dehydrated. Uh, sure. I didn't know any, any better. So like when he actually started working with me, it was like, let's break it up into like an actual chest day and then like a speed chest day. We'll work on the volume and everything with that. Um, and then like a leg day and a back day and just make sure that like you're staying balanced and like if there's any weaknesses, you address the weaknesses because you can bench 600 pounds off your chest, but if you can't lock out five, then I mean, you're not locking right. out five. Right, right. And uh, he and I talked a little bit about how he's big into visualization. Is that something he had you do? As far as what? Like visualizing yourself getting a, a new record or a lift that you had been stalled on. Yeah, because I mean, what I guess like that's one aspect of why I actually warm up the way I do. Um, I pretend 135 is 700. So as I'm lifting, I mean, I'm going to throw it off my chest with the same force and the same speed and power that I would with 700 pounds. With 225, same thing. 315, same thing. 405. So I'm visualizing that I'm actually going to get it. I know what I have in mind. So when you actually put in the work in the gym, I mean, the competition is just the performance. It's just going to show everybody where you're at. I don't really leave it to like roll dice. Like, I hope I get this or I hope I get this. Like, I know what I can get. And if everything falls in place as far as like strength and diet and everything, then it should go. Right. And you guys are still working together. Is that right? Yes. Still are. Okay. Gotcha. Um, you had Long mentioned time. like some of it. Say again? Long time now. Yeah. How many years has it been? Man, I don't even know. Uh, six? Seven? Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, um, you had mentioned the uh, speed work that you're doing, like a, a bench speed day. And I, I would say five to ten years ago, I heard a lot of people mention speed work and dynamic effort days and things like that. And I, I hear about it less now. Um, so how are you guys incorporating the speed work? I, we still do it um, because, I mean, I mean to, compared to, like, football, I mean, you can be 400 pounds, but if I'm running 50 miles an hour at you and I hit you, you're going to go down. Yeah. Uh, it like we incorporate that like pretty much on the third day. I might do it like on my heavy volume chest day, but mm -hmm. it seems like now like the training is based like on like RPE and all that kind of stuff. Right, right. Like I want to do eighty eight percent. I don't I don't know what eighty eight percent of my max that current day is. Sure. So we're just gonna focus on like going hard and heavy, hit the volume, and then make sure that the speed is there, um, the fast switch development, all that kind of stuff. Okay, awesome. Um, and with all these different days, how many days a week do you tend to be actually benching? Benching two. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I've got like one heavy day, and it usually takes about three hours. Uh, I warm up long. I make sure that like I'll hit like 135 for a couple sets, and then 225 for a couple sets. So by the time I actually get to my working sets, it's been almost right. an hour. Uh, yeah, yeah. But then like once like I'm done with that, it's almost like oh, like the hard part is still to come. Yeah. And, you know, the weighted dips and the dead presses and the isostatic presses, superset with close grip into the band, and then wow. so it, it starts stacking up. The next day that I do chest is usually about three or four days later, and it's like I said, it's like either just close grip or a modification of it, or just speed work. Okay, and you, you tend to do a lot more close grip in general, right? Like your your grip and even for your regular yeah, bench. My, my grip is luckily where I was taught, like in high school, by the people who don't really know how to coach weightlifting whatsoever is right. a pump link from the inside. Mm -hmm. Luckily for me, when I touch, I'm right at 90 degrees with my elbows. 
So that's my, my strongest support to actually use all the muscle groups incorporated. Gotcha. Do you find, and this is something I asked Josh as well, do you find that for guys with longer arms, you'll have them, you know, I see both arguments from a safety standpoint, they often say to go closer grip, but from a strength and minimal range of motion, they tend to go wider. Do you have a preference for people you might work with with longer arms? Um, I think honestly, like it's going to fall in the same thing to where like wherever, I mean, where they can find the position to use all the right muscle groupings. If they're so wide that you're not even using your triceps at all, then I mean, the entire strength of your tricep is eliminated. So if you can find that balance and that center point to where you're using your chest, your delts, your lats, and your triceps all together, cool. Um, if you are completely unbalanced and you're like, oh, I'm so much stronger with my triceps, then work on your chest and get stronger. So when you find that balance, then you can actually press more. Right. Sure. And I guess that's where, you know, the accessory exercises come in and determining, you know, which muscles yeah. emphasize for that range of motion. Definitely. Because, I mean, you, the argument is, yes, yeah, so if you have long arms, then typically it's going to be wider grip, but some of the strongest punchers I know have a close grip and they got some long arms, so. Yeah. Just yeah, I found I, I kind of needed, because I have a pretty long, you know, about 6'4 wingspan, and uh, I still have to go closer, but that, that more because it just feels um, a little safer to me. I tend right. to get some shoulder issues when I go wide, but I think I actually am stronger wide. It's just obviously the injuries can prevent things, even if they're optimal strength-wise. Yep. I feel a lot more confident when I go a little bit closer, even like on close grip bench. Um, like I can hit like a like a, a hard, heavy working set on just my normal grip, and then like it seems I drop to 20 pounds, and I go close grip, and I'm just like not necessarily yeah. rushing it out, but I'm just much more confident doing it. Like the stand and everything, I just feel better. Right, right, right. And with all those sets and, and the accessory exercises, at rough estimate, how many sets for chest would you say you're doing per week? It sounds like the volume is pretty high. Yeah, it's uh, it's high. It's not as high as it used to be. Um, but like you're talking about like including my warm-ups as well or just like the actual uh, work? Let's, let's say hard sets, but not just hard bench, even like dips and all the other things you're doing. Um, maybe, let's see. Maybe like 15 to 20. Per like session? 20. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it definitely gets up there. Yeah. What did it used to be? Um, when I first started with Josh, we just the main thing that we wanted to do was, like, back off the weight and just get everything balanced and make sure that everything is completely, like, like you're pushing what you're pulling and your front delts are strong as your rear delts and all that kind of stuff. So, man, it was twice that almost. Wow. Was, right. So, you're talking it, the rest of the same, however, it was like there was like twice as many exercises. Wow, yeah, a weekly volume sounds pretty crazy. Yeah, it's, it was a lot. <laughs> now, how are you guys doing it as far as periodizing within cycles? You know, do, do you guys follow a lot of different, is there a certain model that you follow, or does it seem to change for every meet you do? Um, it doesn't necessarily change. Um, I think one of the things that he does that I do as well is try to find like what I'm strong at at the time. So if I'm just crazy fast off my chest, then, I mean, really need to work on a lockout. But then right. if it seems like my lockout is like I'm locking everything out, then I need to work on the bottom half or on the middle. Wherever I'm getting stuck is like is usually what we end up working on the most because now it just kind of seems like, ugh, like there's like no break. It's like wouldn't the whole yeah. next one just eight weeks away, and then I do that, and it's like, okay, well, I got like nine weeks till this one. And right. So always training for something. Do you feel like that's kind of burning you out, having so many meets? Yeah. Yes and no. Um, training for something, I think, if you actually have something in mind that you're specifically training for, you're going to do your best. 
if yeah. you're just then I mean you're not really there's no goals there's no hard push but it almost seems like that deadline like if you were bodybuilding and you had a show in six weeks you'd be a lot more apt to eat clean sure if you're just I just want to be lean but one right not, so. right right but yeah with the, with the timeline and the crunch I I tend to do a little bit better um, but off season training I usually get my strongest yeah. Yeah, I'm sure with all those competitions, you know, I mean, one injury could set you back from, you know, numerous competitions in a row there. So yeah. I know you said you could do the, the closer grip. Are there any other things you do to prevent injuries that are so common with heavy benching? Yeah, um, there's actually quite a few because um, it's like you never care about an injury until you get one. Right. Um, and then so like I've had like I tore my chest. So it's like. It, it, little stuff like I make sure like that the day of and the day before I'm like just almost over like hydrated to where I'm drinking water like to where I'm just about to throw off. Wow. Uh, I just want to make sure that like because my gym doesn't have air conditioner and we're in Florida, oh. so it's, I'm <laughs> like three shirts into it. It's like yeah, I'm thirsty. <laughs> um, but we do like a lot of like scapular attractions, a lot of um, uh, just rotator cuff stuff like around the world. We'll do mm-hmm. a lot of maintenance stuff like that, face pull, just to make sure that like. Shoulders don't go back. You, and it's usually those little stupid muscles that kind of like keep your shoulders like rotated back. That like yeah. a while. So it doesn't take a lot to work them, but it's something that we need to do. Sure, sure. Yeah, those are often negated. And it does seem to help. I, I got away from them for a while, just to be honest, just kind of laziness for a little. And yeah. uh, I definitely noticed some things creeping up. And within, I would say, a few weeks of working the external rotators, it, it seemed to bring everything back together. Yep. And that was that was one of the best things that like even working with Josh, like. He makes sure that um, I'm doing what I need to do versus what I want to do. And some right. of the stuff that he has me do is like, ah, crap. Like <laughs> I, I really hate doing uh, chest supported dumbbell rows, mm-hmm. but you can't breathe because you're you're hanging right my bench. But they work really good, and I need to work on them because that's the part that I'm lacking in. So sure, I do. Gotcha. Um, and we mentioned before you competed in 275 and in 242. Um, when you are dropping weight, you know, do you have a certain method to do it in the most effective way so that people aren't losing a ton of strength to get into their weight class? Um, I don't really drop a lot of weight. I, I walk around 250. Um, okay. I'm really good at dropping weight and I'm really good at gaining weight. Um, yeah. I feel like garbage when I get over like 250, like tying my shoe, like pain in the ass. Like I have to get it like three reps. Um, right. <laughs> But then it's like when I when I get below 250, like I, I I don't really notice the difference. But it seems like I'm just I ate a little bit cleaner, so I might actually feel a little bit better. Um, however, like like when I was at 275, I wasn't 275. I was two. I went to Texas and the competition was in Texas, so me and Josh actually drove there and he made me stop at every single Golden Corral that we passed to try to get up and weight. So oh, I think wow. I lifted at like two 255. Okay. I was very heavy. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, especially I mean, because you're how tall, roughly? Five eight. Five eight. So yeah, I mean that's that's a ton of weight to pack on there. Yeah, it's <laughs> it was it was rough, and um, it just seemed like all the blood, my whole body was like in my stomach trying to digest like the. I was, I know it's like the highest quality steak at Golden Corral, but right. Uh, <laughs> all you can eat steak is always a yeah. safe choice for gaining weight, but I mean, do what you got to do. Right. Um, I've seen uh, Clint Darden recommend that pretty much he, he thinks that almost everybody should try equipped lifting at some point. Do you find any utility in that for people who are mostly just going to stick with raw lifting? 
to have a phase of equipped with him. I can, I can see what he's talking about and like what the benefit would be. Um, I don't, uh, I don't necessarily think it, they need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like saying like I think that all high jumpers should at least try pole vault. Yeah, I mean it might help. It'll get you like accustomed to going up high and over the bar. But I mean, yeah, two completely different things. And you've done both, right? I've done, I want to say I've put a shirt on three times. Oh, really? Okay. Um, three limited. Yeah, and one time I didn't know what it was, and there was somebody it was at a competition. It was like my second competition. And he's, I asked him what it was. He's like, oh, it's a shirt that adds like 50 pounds to your bench. You want to use it? I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know anything and ended up tearing. So I took it oh, off. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, so. Tore in the middle of the lift? Right in the, no, I was warming up. And I, okay. I was, it was kind of frustrating because I put like, man, I want to say I put like 700 on. And I like completely relaxed and I still couldn't get it to touch. Yeah. I just, I didn't know what I was doing. I was touching like in the same spot that I was touching like with a normal bench. but Right. <laughs> One of those, yeah. Again, I had no idea what I was doing going into the sport. He just kind of looked in for fun. My old coach and Josh had both told me stories about the exact same thing that they put the uh, shirt on, and with something crazy like six to seven hundred pounds, they literally couldn't touch their chest. Which um, I, I think, if you haven't seen people do equip lifting, you don't realize how much those shirts, how much tension is really in those shirts. Yeah, definitely. And it was, it was. It wasn't even like one of the new ones that like are the easy flex to put on and stuff. This yeah. was like a, this was like putting on like my five year old daughter's shirt, and like <laughs> it was like made of denim, and like I couldn't get it. It was just I was exhausted by the time I got it on. Yeah. But then it, after the workout, like I didn't feel anything. So right. I don't know. I didn't really. I don't really see the benefit in it. I can see how it could help, and it could like with overload and CNS and all that kind of stuff. But I I'm not gonna try it. Gotcha. Um, and, and obviously bench is, you know, one of the most popular, probably the most popular exercise. It's the one everybody wants to brag about. So when people are trying to get it up there, what do you see as the biggest mistakes people make, like, right out the gate? Um, with powerlifting, it seems like now people are more focused on little nitpicky things that might add a little bit here or there versus just getting stronger. Um, okay. They're foam rolling and they're working on their arch and they're bringing their hips in and the shoulders back. I lay down and I just touch the bar to my chest and I push it up. Like I don't have like a big end zone dance like before I get on the bench or anything on top of myself. Um, right. With somebody who's just kind of casually lifting, I mean just making sure that their form's not horrible. Because I mean it's one of those like kind of like curling, like you can curl and you can curl wrong, you're still going to get some benefit out of it. And right. for long you'll realize like what's better suited for you as far as form and kind of, like, exploit that. But, I mean, that's probably the difference. Like like I said, the main thing that I'm, I'm noticing more and more on, online now is just people are, like, just really trying to, like, arch their back more or try to get, I don't know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, I think in part, and I don't know if you'll agree with this, but I think part of it is, like, they see, you know, obviously there's going to be a huge genetic component to this, right? And you, right out the gates, just exploded. And I think people... You know, they might see that and want to think that maybe they could get there, too. And so just benching maybe hasn't gotten them a 400-pound or 500-pound bench, so they think all these little details are going to help. But at the end of the day, I agree that, you know, they might help a little bit, but I think ultimately it's the hard work, consistency, and then the right build and genetics for it. Yep. I think, yeah, genetics, diet, all that, it definitely has, like, a ton to do. 
uh, with it. I mean, I'm not going to be like one of the best basketball players. I'm, I can right. guarantee you that I'm not going to be in the NBA. Um, I mean, I'm 5'8", and I've got bigger hands and shorter forms. I mean, I don't know if you can tell, but my hand is like the same size as my entire form. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I'm going into the game a little bit advantage, um, but I mean, there's nothing that can't be outtrained. I mean, you can hard, you can work hard. Um, James Strickland, he's got long arms and he's mm-hmm. been almost 700 also. So, right, right. So, um, I like to kind of end on a, an actionable step. And so I'm going to throw the same one at you that I threw at Josh, which is that if, you have somebody come to you and they've been lifting for 15 years and they said for the last five, their bench has pretty much just been completely stalled out. What's the first thing that you would tell them and look at to try to get them a new personal best? Um, usually it's what they're not doing that makes them stronger or they're just, they're focused on like, kind of like I said, like I'll, I'll do what I want to do versus what I need to do. And usually, and usually it seems like more and more people are just like kind of laying down and just benching it, but just are so slow. Yeah. It's, it's like half of it. If you're, if you're not attacking the weight and like pushing up with everything you have, it's not going to be anywhere near what it could be. So most people just are, I don't know, I'm going to say probably just work on their speed and try to adjust their technique to where they're actually like incorporating all those muscle groups together. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think what you said about the uh, doing what you don't want to do, which, as you mentioned, the utility of a coach is great there because you're kind of forced to. Um, but I think we all, especially after that many years, you kind of get into a rut of things you avoid, even if you know it's beneficial for you. Right. Because, I mean, everybody wants to come in, especially, like, if you walk into a gym and you're like, oh, this is, like, the most motivating gym ever, and you look on the program and it's, like, a lightweight versus a eight. You're like, oh, right. man, you know that you wouldn't have done that if it didn't say to. So, I mean, right. having a right. written out by somebody and sticking to it, that's, I mean, what's going to make you stronger that day or what's going to make you stronger five years on the road? Awesome, man. Well, thank you for talking with us. And where can people find more about you? More about me? Yeah, you know, Instagram, YouTube, yeah, anything to, like that. Um, I want to say it's Hornstra underscore strong. Um, I have a website called Google. And they can find me on that. <laughs> um, I got a website, jeremyhornshaw.com, and it pretty much all links to my gym membership, uh, my gym website, seminalstrengthandconditioning.com. So I'm on all Very of them. Very cool. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, thanks again. No problem. Thank you.